Praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry coming to you at the Word of God. Again, we're grateful and thankful that you're connecting with us, whether you're listening by podcast or watching uh, Vimeo, Internet, uh, Roku, praise God. Either way, we're just grateful that you're connecting with us. Today, being a midweek service again, we're going to dive once again into 1 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. Let me get to it. Praise the Lord. Verse 11, please. It says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition or instruction or teaching upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, of course, in context, it's talking about the children of Israel. And, of course, uh, it wasn't necessarily all good things there. But the idea is what we've been doing in our midweeks is pretty, well, actually the whole year, talking about our patriarchs of faith, Learning, the glean, learning to glean and learn uh, by example the good, the bad, and the ugly in their lives. Amen. So a lot of great things we've learned over the year. We've talked about uh, easily a couple dozen different individuals and then a couple groups of people here and there too. Uh, but the idea is that we're gleaning and learning from the lives of our patriarchs of faith. Now, uh, we started last week talking about our greatest example. His name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Today, I'm going to talk some more about that. Uh, praise God. So let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, please. John and 14. And uh, I'll just kind of maybe the first part of this, just kind of slight little review and then dive into what we have for you today. John 14 and 12 says this, Most assuredly, now this is Jesus talking, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now, he says that the works that I do shall you do, praise God. In other words, you can follow in his uh, footsteps, follow after his example, praise God. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Peter 2, Verse 21 says, for, uh, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Praise God. Obviously, he's left uh, made to be an example for you and me. And as far as I'm concerned, he's our greatest example. Praise God. John 13 and 15 says this, I have given you an example. Of course, this is Jesus talking. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you, praise God. And Ephesians 5, verse 1, just says this. This is what Paul wrote. He said, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And that word imitate, uh, imitator there, means to mimic. In fact, that's where we get our word. That Greek word there is where we get our word to mimic, uh, to follow after, to simulate, amen, uh, to follow in one steps or example, praise God. Amen. So we're called to follow Jesus, amen, as our example, praise God. Now, of course, one of the greatest things that he did, that he showed us, amen, and really was what made his life so successful uh, and so productive was the fact that he would take daily time here from heaven, amen, seeking the will of God for the day, for the hour, praise God, and then followed uh, after God. In fact, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't uh, say anything unless I hear the Father say it. And obviously what he did was he'd, he'd get alone. He'd take uh, that time to get out there in that deserted place with him and the Father, and he'd begin uh, to see things and hear things, praise God, and then he'd follow suit, praise God. And as a result of it, everything he did was productive. Amen. He was very successful. Amen. In a lot of areas that we saw, you know, whether he was resisting the enemy, 
whether he was uh, you know, walking in uh, the signs, wonders, and miracles, whether he was dealing with individuals, whether he was dealing even with uh, you know, leadership and uh, people, whether we're talking about leaders in the church, or we're talking about government officials and different things. It was amazing all, how many different people his life affected, praise God, even during that three and a half years of ministry uh, that we you know, read here in the Gospels, praise God. Now, obviously, his life has affected millions, maybe if not billions of lives across the, well, I guess that would be an understatement, wouldn't it? But uh, obviously, he paid a price for all mankind. Amen. So uh, again, today we're going to talk some more about him as an example in our lives. And uh, what I want to do today is I want to look at the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, please. Matthew chapter 9. Amen. Now, as I said last week, that we're called to follow in those same steps. And if we're seeking God, amen, seeking after the will of God, guess what? We're going to walk in the same works, amen, that, we're, that he said that we could, we could walk in. Amen. So Matthew 9, and I'm going to go to, let's see here, I think uh, verse 35. And it said this, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Praise God. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest and send, or pray, to send out labors into the harvest. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, the point I was going to make today um, is the fact that um, Jesus was always um, moved with compassion. He had a love for all mankind, obviously. Amen. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no way that we can sit down and go through everything uh, without spending probably just you know, years of services just ministering just on that. But what I'm trying to do maybe is just kind of sum some things up. You know, as last week, he's a man that sought the will of God, followed it. Amen. Everything he did, praise God, worked. Amen. The other thing that he was very successful at was the fact that, amen, he just loved people. Amen. Hallelujah. I've heard it said years ago that people are God's highest commodity. Praise God. Now, I believe that. Amen. And the more you connect with the Father, amen, the more you understand His heart, amen, concerning people. Praise God. Well, Jesus obviously had a revelation of that. Scripture says He was moved with compassion. Amen. Now, you know as well as I do that He didn't come in contact with everybody that was, you know, that blue ribbon sheep, so to speak. Uh, you know, everybody was just, uh, you know, an A student. Praise God. How many know that's probably not the case? A lot of people he come in contact with, with people that had a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Amen. Some, some uh, hypocrisy times he, he had to deal with that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes people just uh, maybe a little bit of pride and arrogance and different things like that. All kinds of issues he had to deal with. Well, he still had to walk in love, you know. And we know by the scripture we're called to walk in love. We're called to follow after those same works, right? Amen. Not just the signs, wonders, and miracles, but we're also called to walk with compassion toward people, walk in love with people, praise God. Amen. And uh, obviously, he's a great example to you and me as a man who walked in love and compassion toward others, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let's uh, take a look at some of this. The word moved with compassion in this text here, you'll see it here in verse 
35, or probably 36, I guess it is. It just says this, uh, means this, I mean, to have uh, the bowels yearn. It literally means to feel sympathy or to be driven from within, all right? So what he was, he was driven within, praise God, with a yearning to love uh, and help others, amen. There was something that came from within, amen, hallelujah. Literally means from down deep, amen. So he was moved with compassion, praise God. And I believe that uh, that's the heart of the Father, Amen. And he just followed that. Amen. Remember the, the word says this, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. He was in love with people. Praise God. Hallelujah. In fact, let's turn to that. Let's do that. John 3 and 16, please. Hallelujah. John 3 and 16. Hallelujah. Hope you got an ear to hear today. Praise the Lord. John 3. And 16, common verse, right? says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, hallelujah, uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Then it goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be Saved, that the world through him might be saved. Now, there's maybe a couple key words here I want to bring out. Uh, how about the word love, for instance? This word love, agape, okay, the word says God is love or is agape, all right, which just uh, means uh, benevolence. It just speaks of a selfless affection towards uh, to, be, to be moved within, to give without condition. Uh, it really just, when you look at the agape love. It's all about pouring oneself out for another without necessarily looking for anything back in return, all right? No strings attached uh, type love. Now, most of the time, human love, most, you know, there's different words for, uh, you know, uh, for love, of course. Uh, most people's, maybe their level of love is still going to have some kind of strings attached to it. Well, the love of the Father doesn't have strings attached to it. Well, Jesus' love didn't have strings attached to it because he walked in the love of the Father. And it said here at the end of this text, in verse 17, uh, that, those, uh, that the world through him, in other words, through Jesus, might be saved. Okay, He was looking to save mankind. All right, Now, that word saved is the Greek word sozo, okay? uh, which means to deliver, protect, preserve. speaks of things like to heal. Uh, to do well unto, uh, to make whole, praise God. I always like to call it the full meal deal. Anytime you see that word saved or even the word salvation, uh, which is the Greek word soteria. Um, so sozo, soteria, both of these words refer to really, depending on how it's used in a sentence, but it refers to literally a full meal deal, preservation, uh, health and wholeness. Uh, safety, protection, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing what that word involves. So he came into the world to save mankind, amen, not to bring harm, not to bring destruction, uh, not to judge, not to hurt, uh, but to save man, amen. Why? Because a love for man, amen. God so loved the world, he gave his son, amen, and Jesus walked in that same kind of love, and that same kind of compassion toward people, praise God. Let's look at another text in, let's go to Luke 9. Praise the Lord. Luke 9, please. 
And let's go to uh, verse 51. And uh, I just kind of want to make a point here and then kind of move on here. But Luke 9 and 51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now verse 52 says, And sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. All right. Now, I don't know to what magnitude that was, but obviously it was obvious to the disciples. All right. And it said, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them, all right, and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man, talking about himself here, did not come to destroy men's lives, come on, but to save them, all right, as they went to another village. Amen. So he's rebuking his disciples here because of, you know, that basically the statement they made, because it's coming out of a wrong spirit. He makes that real clear. And he says, listen, I ain't here to destroy I'm here to save. I'm here to help. This word save here in this word, verse 56, is the same word we read there in Matthew. Praise God. Sozo. Praise God. Amen. But he didn't come to destroy men's lives. Now, the scripture did say he did come to destroy some things, right? In fact, uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, he said, for the, uh, the scripture says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, he's not out destroying man, but he is out destroying the works of the devil, praise God. Ezekiel 33 and 11, you could write this down. It just The Lord said this. He said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? I was thinking about that. That really is the heart of God right there. And that's what Jesus was trying to bring across. He says, boys, you're of a wrong spirit. We're not trying to bring devastation and destruction and ruin to lives. We're not here to hurt lives. In fact, this word destroy in this same verse, it literally means to to break fully or to perish, die, loss, or to great loss or to lose, but to destroy fully. That's what that word means. We're not here to, he's not, he said, I'm not here to do that. Amen. And that's not even the father's uh, mission, all right? Because a lot of times the father gets a bad rap on certain things. You know, they read certain stories, maybe primarily out of the old covenant. And so then they get this idea that God's a mean God looking to, you know, you know, s- snap the slack out of everybody, you know? And that's not, that's not really what he's about. He's here. He's a giver. He's giving of himself. And he sent his son to do the same thing. In fact, one time the disciples asked uh, Jesus in John 14, uh, a little earlier in that chapter, uh, the disciple asked him, he says, show us the Father. He says, you know, he said, listen, haven't you been watching me? He says, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, so why are you asking, to me, asking me to show you the Father? He said, I'm here. What you're seeing right now in operation is the heart of God. Well, what did Jesus do? Everywhere he went, right, he was moved with compassion trying to bring health and wholeness 
trying to bring, uh, you know, life and not, not death, trying to bring, uh, you know, a, a sense of wholeness in every area of their life and not destruction, praise God, to save lives, amen, not to destroy lives, amen. Now, you know as well as I do, and I probably kind of focused a little bit more on this last week, and that is that, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily uh, just meet every need he came in contact with. Now, there were times, as we read earlier in Matthew, there were times when maybe everybody there got healed, all right? But a lot of times he was led in how he did things, amen. He, you know, he would go into an area where there might have been a lot of sick folk and go in there and minister to one individual, all right, minister them and then walk back out, all right? And, uh, you know, the, the idea is this, that he's, his heart is always to heal, deliver, set the captive free. He has a love for mankind, all mankind. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stress the all mankind here. You'll understand that in a minute. But he was always moved with compassion. Now, he's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And pretty much anybody that released faith for him, amen, to, uh, to deliver them from something, you, you, saw, you saw a manifestation, amen. But anyway, there were times he went in and everybody get healed. And then there were times, uh, it was even a couple times there, he had the word said that the power of God was there to heal and nobody would draw on it, you know. That's a sad deal, all right. So the point is that he is here to heal and deliver because of a love for man, a willingness to give and to, and to help mankind. But I want to bring another point out with this whole thing, and that is this, okay, that he was here to to love mankind, to be moved with compassion, to save mankind, all right? All mankind. He didn't come with the idea of being a, to oppose certain ones and then to love others. He was here in love with all mankind. He paid a price for all mankind. Now, most everybody that's probably listening to me right now says, well, duh, get on with it. Well, the point is this. Okay, even those disciples right there, all right, they made a wrong, a wrong judgment call, maybe I could say, or a wrong assessment, maybe I could say it that way. They assumed, okay, that they could, uh, you know, call fire down because these people turned their nose up at Jesus. Well, first off, um, you know, it was a wrong assessment. It was a wrong uh, idea. Their, their viewpoint of God was wrong. Amen. And really, in all honesty, their viewpoint of mankind right there might have been off. Okay. You know, primarily off. Because the idea is that's why Jesus said, I'm not here to destroy them. I'm here to help them. All right. Now, the thing I want to bring out was you notice that even in the rebuke, the rebuke was there to help those disciples. Okay. They were off on their thinking. And I don't recall anywhere else where they were asking to do that anywhere else. Okay, I mean, they obviously learned their lesson right there. And I kind of wanted to take this today a little bit down that road to show you that uh, he was, you know, a lot of times he's got people opposing him or people doing things that weren't so smart, and yet he would do everything he could to try to help them where they were at. And I think about that to me, that's where the mercy of God is, uh, you know, that is the praise God for his forgiveness and the blood of Jesus and praise God for his compassion, amen, on mankind. 
because a lot of times we do a lot of silly things, don't we? We do a lot of, you know, I always say it, you know, jokingly that sometimes the spirit of stupid gets on us, you know, and we make some dumb decision. Well, this was a dumb, a dumb decision on their part. And he just basically sets them straight, praise God. And I guarantee you they learned their lesson, praise God. In fact, uh, just reading that verse there sets my, sets my doctrine straight. Because there's a lot of times you look at things and people and you think, huh, you know, and then, but then you recognize, you know, God's in love with people, you know, even if they make some silly decisions once in a while. Let's look at another reference. Let's go to um, John 8, please. John 8, hallelujah. And I'm going to go to, well, maybe I'll just go ahead and start at verse 1 here. And just says this, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees, here we go, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now we always have a little fun with this, you know, because the idea is that obviously if she was caught in the act, there should be at least two people here, right? Well, anyway, uh, they just bring the woman. It says, now Moses in the law commanded us that they uh, such should be stoned, but what do you say? And it said that this they said, testing him. That's the whole idea they were doing this. It was very obvious. Jesus knew it. Uh, they're just testing him, all right? That they might have something in which to accuse him of, right? But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear, all right? Now, obviously, what's he doing here? Well, uh, my, my thought, okay, is that he's taking a minute here to hear from heaven. Okay, how do I answer this? What do I do? Praise God. So when they continued asking him, because they're assuming he's not even listening to him, but he is, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then, they, uh, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where, uh, where, where are those accusers of yours uh, who has condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, obviously, he didn't uh, condone her sin. He didn't excuse her sin. He said, go out and don't, you just don't do that anymore because that sin is what got you in this mess. All right, so he's not condoning sin. He says, then he spoke to everybody that's still around because remember, there's a group of people all the way around. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's a powerful statement there. But the thing that I, we always uh, focus on is, you know, that the fact that you know, all the, all the accusers basically left because Jesus kind of put them in their place. And, uh, you know, and then we kind of focus on the fact that this woman and how, how he showed compassion on this woman. But my thought to you today is I want to take a look again at these men that brought her to him because I believe he had compassion on them too. All right. And, uh, you know, my thought is this, you know, uh, he's always moved with compassion and in love with mankind. Even that Pharisee and, uh, Pharisees, I should say, would say Pharisees and scribes both, okay? So obviously all of these were religious uh, leaders of some sort, 
And it said that when he made the statement to them, he who is without sin among you, this is verse 7 again, let them throw a stone at her first. And that's all he said. Okay, it, it, really, wasn't even, it really wasn't even a rebuke. He just kind of just set the atmosphere is what he did. You know, he heard from heaven, obviously, because he said, the word says, uh, actually, Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. So he obviously took the moment to sit down, I mean, as he's doodling in the sand, okay, and there's a lot of, you know, idea about what he was writing, you know, because the word even brings out that, he, you know, he writes your sins in the sand. It talk, There's a reference in the Old Covenant, and it could be. Maybe he was writing some things like that. I don't know. Uh, all I know is it doesn't tell us. So what I do know is based on his own, uh, you know, witness and things that he says, you know, that he don't say anything unless he hears the Father say it. So obviously he got a word from God and he said it. One statement, he who is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Well, it said this, okay, verse 8, he stooped down again and wrote on the ground, but verse 9 says, then those who heard it, you know, and we're hoping they all did, okay, but it said those who heard it being convicted, look at that, being convicted by their conscience, then went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Obviously, the older, older guys got it probably a little quicker than the younger guys, but the idea is this, it set everything straight. And if you stop and you think about it, it was a statement of compassion because he had compassion on the scribes and the Pharisees too. Now, granted, what they did was kind of silly. It was, it was a dumb move, okay? And, uh, you know, they're just trying to trip him up, and he knew that. I mean, he could have leveled them. He could have, you know, he could have called out every one of their sins out loud and just, you know, embarrassed every one of them. And, you know, if, if maybe you or me might have been there, we might have considered that. I mean, but the point is this, he didn't. Because he was moved with compassion for all mankind, because he loved all mankind, somehow or another God gave him a word, amen, that dealt with where they were at, and at the same time brought compassion toward the woman that was being embarrassed by them, all right? And really, and everybody else that's around, because the scriptures are clear that there's a group of folks that's watching this whole thing go down. And I'm thinking to myself, again, sometimes these statements that he says to the Pharisees or the scribes or even, you know, even some of these uh, governmental officials at times and uh, sometimes he makes statements that, man, it just, it just like it resonates with just some power um, because, uh, you know, and it, it, when you stop and you think about it, almost every single time somebody is doing something crazy and stupid and saying something they got no business saying. In this particular case, you know, you know he's talked before. He says, why are you so worried about the speck in somebody else's eye when you got some plank in your own eye, you know? And, and, and yet, you know, he could have done something. And don't get me wrong, there were times that he called out their hypocrisy. But this particular time, he didn't do it. This particular time, he just says, you know, if you're without sin, go ahead. Well, obviously they weren't. And obviously they got convicted that it did something. And I guarantee you, those men walked away and they learned something. Something, something set uh, you know, was set in their heart. When they walked away, they recognized something, all right? Now, maybe they didn't all uh, change, 
But I, be, I believe that some of those men begin to get it. You know what I mean? I mean, he didn't necessarily get down on every, every time he came in contact with a Pharisee because not every Pharisee was necessarily in it for the wrong reasons. Uh, you know, there were some people that literally they were trying to do God. You know, they were trying to honor God and, and do right, uh, you know, in their life uh, before God. And uh, sometimes they just get, you know, caught up in certain things and, and, and basically don't recognize the fact that you're sliding into the swamp, so to speak. But that's what happens, okay? They get caught up in things, and next thing they know, next thing you know, you know, you're you're acting foolish. You're acting, you know, with hypocrisy or something. Well, you know, the Father knows that. And Jesus knew that. The Word said He knew what was in the hearts of men, all right? So there were times where He just knew that, man, you're off on your thinking here, so let me help you with that, all right? I remember, uh, you know, in John 3, we, we read some references out of there. And if you recall that all those references, when we talk about, you know, being born again and for God so loved the world that he, do you recognize that that was all said to a Pharisee? A Pharisee came to him by night. Nicodemus, his name was. He came to Jesus by night, probably because he was concerned everybody was going to badmouth him because he went to Jesus. But he, but he had some legitimate questions. You know, he was one of those men that, saw what was going on in Jesus' life, and somehow or another it penetrated his heart, and he recognized that God was with this man named Jesus. All right? He didn't understand it all, but he thought, you know what, I, I want to go talk to this man. I, wanna, I, want some, I want some answers. Well, Jesus knew that, and Jesus gave him all kinds of answers. In fact, a lot of references just out of that text alone is what we use in the Great Commission. When we're going out ministering to people, Amen. We talk about how they got to be born again and God so loved the world He gave His Son for you. Praise God. These are references that were made to a, to a Pharisee. I'm just trying to bring something out here today. Because a lot of times we get to talk about how God loves all mankind and we all say yes and amen. But then we talk about, well, that, except for them Pharisees or except for them governmental officials or except for, you know, come on now. God's in love with all people. Amen. So I know I kind of went down this a little bit different road here today, but I just kind of wanted to bring it out. A lot of times in this in this reference in in uh, John eight, we we have we probably focus more on the woman, and uh, you know we kind of excuse the men. They left, and so great, good riddance, they left. But in all honesty, Jesus had compassion on them just as much as he had compassion on the woman that he ministered to. Amen. As well as the people around listening. Praise God. Amen. Uh, let's go to another uh, uh, reference. Let's go to Colossians. And let's look at something that Paul uh, said to us. Praise God. Remember, we're talking about following after Jesus' uh, steps. You know, he's our example, our, one of our greatest examples. Praise God. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, please. Hallelujah. Colossians 3, and um, I think for sake of time, I'm going to jump into verse 12. All right, praise God. John 3 and verse 12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, that's you and me, praise God, chosen, uh, favored, uh, selected ones, right? That's you and me. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, okay? 
Tender mercies is really just talking about being tenderhearted or compassionate, okay? So he's telling the same thing. Just like he was moved with compassion, he's asking you to be moved with compassion. So he says here, literally, put it on. Put, put compassion on. Put tender mercies on. Put kindness or gentleness, that also means on. Amen. Humility, okay? And uh, uh, in other words, get rid of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the me syndrome, the me, myself, and I syndrome. Praise God. Amen. Get rid of the pride, right? Put on humility. Uh, meekness, that really just means being teachable. Uh, you know, being, you know, being in a, in a place where you will learn something, praise God, put this on long suffering. Here we go. It just means, you know, endurance. And of course it's, it's talking about long suffering with, with individuals, really. When you start thinking about it, all of this is about how, what you have to have on when you're around people. All right. And, uh, we're all around people that, like I said earlier, that maybe not might not all be you know shining great examples. Okay, they might have their issues and their uh, their problems and things that they're they're bringing every time they come around you. And all of a sudden, you got things you got to work through and deal with. He says, "Listen, these are these are things you got to have have to put on here." And if you're going to follow in the after the example of our Lord, now listen, I'm, I I want to bring that ref, first reference we talked. You know, the, he said, "The works that I do shall you do also." And greater works than these shall you do. Amen. Because I go to my Father. Now, we you know, usually read that. We, we, we instantly always go to the signs, wonders, and the miracles. Now, of course, it, it's definitely included. But he's not just talking about just the signs, wonders, and miracles. Sometimes it's just about being compassionate and walking in love. And it says here in this next verse, bearing with one another. Sometimes that's a part of the works. See, that's some of the stuff Jesus had to do. Amen. Bearing with one another. Here we go. And forgiving one another. All right? If anyone has a complaint against another, and you know we always got, there's always some kind of a thing goes on that we could sit and complain about. We could make our list about, you know, especially when you're dealing with people, working around people. Amen. There's things they do right, things that we wish they wouldn't do. And so we could have complaints. And it says, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ, here we go, our example, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So you also must do. But above all, verse 14, above all these things, put on love, right? Put on love, which is the bond of perfection or completeness, all right? It's talking about literally spiritual growth and character. Okay, so... Uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, getting everything set, your moral compass set right, amen, walking in love. Now, I just wanted to read that text because to me it kind of sums up a lot of what we're talking about today that, you know, you know, it'd be nice if, if every, every individual you ever came in contact with was a blue ribbon sheep and they always were kind, always were nice, uh, always did everything right, said everything right, reacted right, acted right. Uh, but you know as well as I do, that's not going to be the case. We're always going to be around things and that uh, get said and things that are that, that are done. And and let's face it, uh, we ain't uh, really any better. We have a tendency sometimes to uh, speak our mind when we shouldn't, or react in a way we shouldn't, or or maybe just we weren't being as compassionate as we could have been. The point is this: that we're here to follow His example. The same works He does, we're called to do. Amen. Now today, I just wanted to bring out. 
the fact that he was a man that loved all people. Praise God. And we're called to love all people. Even that, that scoundrel, even that one that gets a little ornery once in a while. Maybe that individual has a tendency to, uh, you know, maybe like what Jesus had to deal with, okay? Uh, they're coming always doing things just to try to rub him wrong, make him uh, do something wrong or say something wrong, and, and it's out there. And I, my heart today really was to, um, to focus primarily on the fact that even uh, how much Jesus loved the unlovable sometimes. And that's kind of what I wanted to focus on a little bit today. And I think if we can learn to, just like it says here, uh, bear with one another, forgive one another, amen, uh, to remember that, you know, when you got a complaint, remember what Christ has done for you, amen. Keep those things in check. Put on, as it said there in that first verse we read there, put on, right, tender mercies, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, praise God. Love people, praise God. Remember, people are God's highest commodity. Always keep that in mind, praise God. Hope you got something today. Father, I give praise and glory once again for the people that had an ear to hear today. Thank you, Lord God, for your love and your compassion for us. Amen. That you did send your son. Amen. Hallelujah for all mankind. And we're grateful for that. We receive that. We thank you for that. Lord, help us, praise God. Give us a, uh, you know, creating us a clean heart, a right spirit, praise God, that we would walk in love with others, walk in compassion toward others. Amen. Be a difference maker. Walk in the works that Jesus did. Praise God, making a difference everywhere we go. And for that, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.